0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to a special edition of the Steel Studio Podcast. I'm Mike. And I'm Rick. Uh, We have a very special episode today dedicated to Mike Webster, one of the best Steelers to ever play the game.
1: Yeah, growing up as a kid, he was one of my favorites. I got my 1976 Iron City here with number 52 right there, Mike Webster. He was uh, Iron Mike, heart and soul of the team, and uh, handed that ball off to Bradshaw many times
0: for Super Bowls. He was a leader known for um, helping... Bradshaw quite a bit on the field and you know he was instrumental in our Super Bowls from 74 to 79.
1: Yeah Hall of Famer and uh, in fact Bradshaw introduced him at the Hall of Fame yeah and he was a man of few words so we you know we went to I found his son Garrett and uh, who was there and uh, part of his life and we got the chance to interview him to find out a little bit about Mike and uh, what it was like to be a Steeler, and what it was like to grow up as a pro football player's son, and uh, it's a good
2: interview.
0: Yeah, it is. Um, so I guess without further ado, we won't keep you waiting. Uh, here's our special edition of uh, Mike uh, Steel Studio with Mike Webster.
2: One of the things he loved to do was during the cold weather days is come out in no sleeves. To him, that was intimidating to those guys that didn't like to be in the, in the cold weather. Mike came in and he had the daunting task of having to deal with Ernie Holmes every day and Ernie quite frankly was killing him then you know one day Ernie couldn't move him you know and I thought that well Ernie what's going on you know he said, well, he's gotten a little stronger, you know? And went at him again, nothing happened. I said, oh, he's not that strong, let me have him. And I hit Mike, tried to throw him, nothing happened. From the practice field battles
1: with his steel curtain teammates, center Mike Webster was forged into a four-time Super Bowl champion and the anchor of Pittsburgh's offensive
2: line. Mike has played more games uh, than anyone in Steeler history and more consecutive games than anyone in Steeler history. In a tough position, being in the middle of the line where he's always getting contact. When I think about Mike, I see them breaking the huddle. Mike runs up to the ball, he always does that. He's huffing and puffing, he's blowing. then you see him in past protection, pump the arms and get back, looking around, seeing where the threats are coming from. You don't really appreciate it until it's over because
0: of the intense concentration on the element of the moment. You're always concentrating on carrying that over and you don't really want to do anything that might make it more difficult for yourself by patting yourself on the back and doing that type of thing.
2: Mike knew who to block, when to block, who to help. I think Mike even called plays at times, helping the quarterback. I said, give me a winner. Give me somebody
0: I can count on. Somebody that'll tell me, Terry, no, don't run this play. Mike, somebody help me get the team in line. Mike did it. Mike controlled it. We needed him. We used it. We leaned on it. He was our strength. Let me put my hands in the
1: Mike Webster's butt just one more time. So uh, I'm Rick Mooney, um, and uh, my son Mike. You there, Mike?
0: Yep. We're hey, from the Garrett. Steel
1: Studio podcast, and we're interviewing Garrett Webster, the son of uh, legendary Hall of Famer Mike Webster, one of my favorite players growing up, uh, one of my heroes growing up. So this is an honor to talk to you, sir, and uh, we appreciate your, your taking the time. So oh, you tell thank us you. Uh,
0: it's an honor to be on.
1: Yeah, tell us about your dad, and, and uh, just a, a brief summary of your dad and. Uh, his career and the Steelers is what you think and all that.
0: Oh, so so I'm doing the work for you here. I see how it is. Okay. <laughs> Oh, we'll have lots of questions. Just, you, know, just a could, you, you you guys were, were trying to get Dermani Dawson, and I was the second pick. I understand. It. No, it's, absolutely it's not. You're totally my cool. first thought, man. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, I, I do better with, with questions like, uh, you know, like my dad. You know, I'm not very good with uh, talking about myself okay. or – or uh oh. he is because i know i know he was the same way you know so yeah um usually I'm the best is just sort of asking me what you know whatever you want to know or or anything i could fill in the blanks for or anything like that and then uh usually i'll just run with it and talk and feel free to tell me to shut up when uh, i've talked too much that's fine that's fine so mike do you want to start off sure yeah care are you still a steelers fan by chance I am. I am. I, we went through, you know, growing up and I was actually talking to somebody about this today. Um, you know, dad was not somebody who, I don't want to say took his work home. Cause obviously he, you know, did a lot of uh, working out and all that kind of stuff. And I remember him using the blocking sled in the front yard and uh, going for runs and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, he didn't make a big deal that he was a football player, even when, you know, he got recognized out in public and stuff like that. So, you know, growing up, I, I, it was almost like it, there was an opposite effect with the Steelers. You know, we didn't because we didn't think of Dad as being a football player, and especially not any kind of a big deal. You know, you certainly wouldn't then think about the team that he played for. You know, and and obviously, you know, I was only about five or so, four or five when he left the Steelers. So, mm-hmm. growing up, I really didn't think about Pittsburgh. You know, I remembered him playing for Kansas City, and you know, mm-hmm. Kansas City was kind of my team growing up, you know, I love Marty Schottenheimer and Carl Peterson back then. And, you know, there, the weird thing is there is a lot of links between the chiefs and the Steelers in a lot of different ways um, with coaches who, you know, went back and forth, you know, Marty Schottenheimer, you know, he was the head coach and uh, Bill Cower was his, I believe his special teams coach, uh, you know, Herm Edwards was there. Uh, uh, Tony Dungy was uh, a, a coach for um, Kansas. No, Mike Tomlin wasn't a coach for Kansas City. And there's was, there was somebody else that I'm forgetting, too, that was a big coach um, that worked for the Chiefs there for a while and worked for the Steelers. But, you know, like I said, growing up, I kind of rooted for Kansas City, you know, and I was a big Joe Montana fan. Me and my dad would always have uh, those father and son arguments between who was better, you know, Joe Montana or Terry Bradshaw and stuff like that. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, I did that. And then, you know, unfortunately, you know, when dad started to struggle and stuff like that, and because, you know, none of us in the family and, and him, you know, him as well didn't understand what was going on. You know, we were kind of, I don't want to say bitter towards the Steelers. It was just sort of misplaced anger on, uh, on everything that had gone on and everything that had gone wrong. And, right. you know, but we still kind of, you know, it's funny, you know, my dad would be angry, you know, cause again, like I said, he didn't understand what was happening. So he'd be kind of placed, placed some of his anger there at the Steelers, but, if the Steelers were on TV or something like that, he'd always kind of pay attention to what they were doing, especially Dermani, um in the offensive yeah. line. You know, he, he'd, he'd always, yeah, pay Dermani, to he always pay attention that. I think Dermani's rookie
1: year was your dad's last year with the Steelers, I
0: believe. Yeah, something and like they that, drafted right? yeah. him as, as a guard, and that's what they wanted to play him as. And, and dad was very adamant that they moved him to center. Um, because, you know, Dad would always tell me, you know, he would always go crazy when he'd see these guards getting drafted in the first round and stuff. And he'd say, you can find a guard anywhere, you know, centers and tackles <laughs> are, you know, the baseline of the offensive line, because, you know, Dermani could move, he could get out there, you know, he was great technique and he was a hard worker and stuff like that. So, you know, Dad would always pay attention to those. And then sort of, you know, after Dab passed away, I think, you know, we kind of were removed enough from the situation and as we understood kind of what happened, you know, with the science and all that kind of stuff and especially being back in the area, um, you know, because after dad passed away, I went back to Wisconsin for just, you know, a couple of years there to, you know, help my mom out and, um, you know, kind of, you know, at that weird stage where everybody's at at 19 or 20 where they're trying to figure out kind of what they want to do and, you know, all that stuff, you know, I came back out and, you know, the people and everything like that, you know, and we, we also, Always remembered that dad and our family were at our happiest when we were in Pittsburgh, and dad was with the Steelers. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I definitely kind of fall back, it fell back into being a Steeler fan, you know. And I mean, yeah. I've always been a sports fan my whole life. I was, I was the sports fan in the family, you know. The rest of my family, they can kind of take or leave sports. You know, they have other interests and stuff like that. But you know, I was the sports geek in the family, so you know, I definitely took to rooting for the Steelers pretty, pretty well, and um, you know, I root for him now and, and, and watch him. And, you know, just like, just like every Steelers fan, one minute I root for him, the next minute I, I swear him off and say, I'm never going to watch another game, you know? And, yeah. uh, you know, that's, but that's the fun of being a fan, you know, it's, it's, you know, you you live and die with them. And, um, you know, that's, uh, that's the funnest way to do it. So I, I watched your dad's hall of fame
1: speech today again for, for it's been a while, but he was fond of, uh, Lamar Hunt and, and the Rooneys. So did he ever talk about Chuck? Yes. Nolan, you?
0: He, he did. You know, I think that, you know, the, the one thing with with Chuck that he was, he always kind of adamantly talked about is he was always angry and, and it still doesn't make any sense to me just, and obviously being, you know, since my dad played for Chuck and stuff like that, you know, I have a little bit of a bias there, but you know, dad would always be so angry when they talk about all these other coaches and they would never talk about Chuck Noll you know, right. and they would just kind of just leave him out of every, you know, it was always Bill Walsh or, um, you know, George Seaford or, or you know, he, he had a great respect for Vince Lombardi, obviously being a Wisconsin uh, kid right. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, he always, you know, was, and, and he was that like that with all of his teammates or coaches or anything, you know, anytime any of them didn't get mentioned, he was not happy at all. Um, <laughs> But, you know, he talked, he talked about Chuck a lot. He, you know, I think that, you know, from what mom said, you know, you have the thing when you're a player and, and you know, even if you're an eighth grade football player, you know, you always think you're no better than the coach. You know, it's, oh, we should have run this play here and stuff like that. You know, and mom said dad would say those kinds of things. But again, it wasn't that, you know, hold any ill will or something like that. It was just that competitive nature. Oh, we should have done this or we should have done that. Uh-huh. Uh, but he had a great deal of respect for Chucknell, And I think that dad was one of those one of those guys that was not a raw rah guy. You know, he wasn't a um well, you Chuck did Yeah, a and and that's but I think the thing too is Chuck let guys be the way they wanted to be. You know, you looked mm-hmm. at you know look at, you know, Lynn Swan, stall work, you know, a lot of the you know, he let the defense have that swagger that they had. Um but they also but also guys wanted to be just nice and quiet and, you know, take care of business and stuff like that. You know, he was fine with that too. And I think the other thing dad really respected about Chuck is, you know, he was more than just a football guy, you know, he, you know, from everybody and I, and I only got to meet Chuck, Chuck Null one time and that was at my dad's funeral. But, you know, from everything that I've heard, Chuck was one of those kind of odd birds that, you know, would read books outside of football. You know, he would uh, you know, everybody's heard stories about him with, you know, paintings and bird watchings and all this other right. kind of stuff. Right, the and, opera. You know, <laughs> I I think I think Dad liked that in him. You know, because Dad, you know, he he did like football and, and stuff like that. And you know, he was, um, you know, he did love to play, even though he treated it as a, you know, kind of like a job, I guess you could say. But he did enjoy it, and right. but he also had a lot of interest outside of, you know, football. You know, you Dad loved to read. Dad loved to you know, he'd do things that you think, oh, he's an offensive lineman, you know, well, you know, they're big, dumb guys and stuff like that. But, you know, no, Dad loved to read. He loved to, you know, in, not investigate in that, you know, kind of weird conspiracy theory way, but learn more about stuff, I guess is the best way to put it. And yeah. so uh, Hall I think of that fame. was in, Chu- in Chuck. In am sorry. Yeah.
1: So the Hall of Fame day, you remember that? I think that was you that was there I saw in the video. There. Yeah,
0: yeah, no, our – our, our and that had to be a big
1: day was, for him, huh?
0: Well, it was. It was, you know, obviously, you know, Dad got in a second year of eligibility, which was something that you know he was always kind of a little, little upset about. You know, it was one of the few times I ever remember him uh, showing some kind of. I don't want to say because I don't think it was he, I think everybody would agree that he should have got in his first time, but you know, he, you know, was a little, little hurt by that. I think, and, but. Like I said, growing up, we never really thought of dad being a football player. And we certainly didn't think he was any kind of a big deal. You know, dad didn't either. You know, he never, you know, walked around and especially living back in Wisconsin, um, you know, where we lived, he wasn't, you know, if anything, he was looked down upon. Um, So when we came out to that, not just for me, but, you know, it was the last time I can really remember, you know, not just. The immediate family of me and my brothers and sisters and dad and stuff like that. But, you know, all of the extended family too mm-hmm. were there. And I think it was the first time, at least for me personally, I can say that I realized my dad was, you know, a, you know, a famous player, I guess, for lack of a better term. Yeah, you know, yeah. and uh, you know, I remember seeing you know the fans with the you know Mr. Mike signs and the yeah, um, <laughs> Iron some Mike. some huh. yep some sweet old lady did a uh, 52 Afghan which she actually sent us afterwards and we still have um, wow you know she knitted it and stuff like that but you know we did that I, I think Dad too you know as and if you watch a speech you can see sort of. Um, and yeah, you know, it's obviously with the, you know, concussions and stuff, you know, you could tell where he starts to get a little off track. But also, I think he got to a point where he got a little uncomfortable speaking about himself. Right. And like he know, was very humble. That, yeah. And and sometimes that's, you know, it's, it's great to be humble, but it's, you know, it was it, one of the things that let's just say contributed to some of the problems that he had is um, feeling good about yourself, let's just say. And, you know, I think that at that hall of fame speech, dad, it really meant a lot to him to see there and see the teammates that were there and, um, you know, see the fans and stuff like that and and be able to share that with us as, you know, as his kids and stuff like that, you know, it's something that, you know, I think he really did treasure, you know, he he really did like, I, I remember he really loved the fact that when he got in the hall of fame, you know, I, I think they still do this. I don't know if they do or not, but you know, they flew you out to Hawaii and they put you up in a hotel and you got to stay like a week in Hawaii and stuff. And I remember my dad being just so excited about that for, you know, take his kids on a vacation, you know. (laughs) Um, But yeah, no, I I remember that whole time and it being, you know, him, obviously that was really where things started to come to light with the difficulties my dad was having was around that time with the Hall of Fame. Mm -hmm. But he still greatly, you know, enjoyed, I guess you could say that last, um, less sort of touch with, you know, his, his old career, let's just say.
1: Were well, he and uh, Terry Bradshaw pretty tight?
0: Pretty good friends? You know, it, it, the weird thing is about that team is is all of them kind of when they left the, you know, left the stadium or, or wherever, you know, they all kind of went about their separate lives. But, you know, dad was always extremely protective of Terry. He was always extremely – uh, Mom would say that, you know, if, if you had to say a best friend dad had on the team, um, you know, it was until, you know, obviously you got some more characters on the offensive line, like uh, Steve Corson and Tunch and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, Terry was somebody dad, you know, really looked after and really took that to heart to to help him and to be somebody that um, Terry could lean on. I think Terry needed that, too, at that time. You know, he, he you know, he did struggle there for a few years and, and you know if you want to make one criticism, of Chuck Noll, you could probably say, and I think he's even admitted it you know in in some interviews I saw before his passing is really maybe it was a little bit too hard on Terry you know at the start of his career, and you know Dad taught Terry how to read plays, you know give him somebody to you know if there was a play call or something like that to you know help him with that kind of stuff and you know Terry you know really respected that and cared about him, and I, I think that it was mutual between the two of them. And, you know, that, that carried all the, you know, all the way through dad's life. I mean, I remember, must have been like six months or so before he died. It was, it was the season the season before he he passed away. And I remember, Mm -hmm. you know, Terry was on his pregame show or something like that. And, you know, Terry was making fun of himself. Like he, he goes back and forth with Terry between either being the most arrogant former QB and the QB who makes fun of himself all the time, Um, (laughs) you know, but he was making fun of himself and and dad was just so mad. He said, I'm going to have to call Terry and tell him to stop, you know, stop saying that shit about himself Um, (laughs) because, you know, he was just kind of, you know, Like that with Terry you know he he would get mad when they'd mention you know Joe Montana like like I would just say that I would argue with him about Joe Montana versus Terry Bradshaw but whenever they'd mention quarterbacks and they wouldn't mention Terry dad would take that very personally um so dad and you know dad really liked Terry and cared about him a lot wow that's awesome Mike you got anything I've been asking all the questions here yeah no that's okay um Gary, I mean, did did you get to see when they nominated your dad to the NFL's top 100? I think he was 68th overall. Did you get to see that? I I did. I I had no idea about it. And then, uh, you know, somebody sent me the YouTube clip that was, you know, I I can't remember how many years ago that was, Um, you know, but I did see that. And and that was surprising because, you know, if you go back and you look from, um, you know, pretty much when my dad retired in 91 up until – probably 2005 or 2007, you know, that really wasn't included in in anything when it came to, you know, those all, you know, he would be from, of course, it, it's a different day and age back then. You know, it's not like now where every season they do a, you know, top right. 100 this or, you know, 75 highlight <laughs> videos. And, stuff. you know, back then it was back then you got the year end highlights of your team. And it was a, usually a 30 to 45 minute, cassette tape and that was it. You know, that was, that was the end of the season highlight reel. But, um, you know, that was the first thing I can remember of seeing dad featured on something, you know, with the, I I guess you could say the NFL approval or partnership or whatever. And and that was, I was glad to see because obviously, you know, there's a lot of things with my dad post-retirement that are about his personal life or health or whatever. But I also like to see the fact that he's still remembered too as a football player, because that was, you know, my dad's life work, life's work, you know, and, and his grandkids and stuff like that, when they Google him or search him or whatever, you know, I'm, I'm, I like that they can see him strong and big and out there on the offensive line and, you know, guys like Joe green and, and former, former players talking about him and talking about him with respect. And and that was something that meant a lot to me. Yeah. bet. That-
1: well, I see that you, you took care of your dad uh, when you were a teenager in his last year. Is that, I think, when you uh, moved left, back to Pittsburgh? Yeah, left,
0: yeah I, moved, I, I moved back, uh, moved, well, not back, but I guess you could say back. I went to Pittsburgh uh, <laughs> between my uh, freshman and sophomore year. Um, so I lived with my dad for pretty much the last three years um, of his life there. And, uh, oh, yeah. you know, that was, you know, unfortunately, obviously, you know, he passed away. But, you know, I, I think, you know, every every boy wants to spend time with their dad and learn, learn things and, you know, kind of have that, you know, growing up time and that alone time with them and stuff like that. And
1: um,
0: yeah, I, I don't want to say I took care, you know, took care of him because, you know, it's not like I was, he was an invalid or something like that. Right. Right. Um, You know, but yeah, I mean, sure. I had to remind him of stuff and everything like that, but, you know, it was like living with my best friend and, you know, that was still, you know, one of the happiest times of my life, despite how difficult things were at the time, um, you know, getting to spend that time with my dad and stuff like that. And I treasure those memories greatly. Well, I think that was honorable and, and awesome. So it sounds like your mm-hmm.
1: dad was a, to you guys, was a dad first, which is all you can ask. Oh yeah, him. no,
0: it was, <laughs> you know, that, you know, that was, that was his, you know, his thing, you know, he, you know, mom would say that's, you know, what he loved is he loved to be a dad, you know, and, and he that's something, you know, that he definitely passed down to us kids, you know, and stuff like that. And the importance of, of family and treating people with respect and understanding and hearing them out and talking to them and, you know, stuff like that. And, you know, there's a lot of great lessons that I learned from my dad, just like, you know, every, you know, whether they mean to it or mean to or not, you know, every son or, or daughter takes lessons from there their parents. And, you know, they, sometimes you don't recognize it at the time. And, and there's been a lot of things since my dad's passed away where I now realize, Oh, that's what he was trying to tell me, or that's what he was trying yep. to do. Well, I think they call it impart on me. And, uh, and absolutely. you know, it just makes me treasure those times in my relationship with him even more.
1: Well, we appreciate your time and uh we'll let you get back to your, uh, your game or whatever you're yeah. doing.
0: Hey, I got. I'm gonna. I'm gonna take care of this guy. You know, he's walking around like he owns the place. So you, know, you to We really him appreciate, it, Garrett, and we hope hey, to meet anytime. you sometime. wherever forever in the area. Absolutely. Just let me know. We'll be for a beer.
1: That sounds great. We owe you one. Thanks, sir.
0: <laughs> Thank All right. You. Thanks, Garrett. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, bye bye. Bye bye, buddy.